Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Hello, friends. This is Dr. Tim Jordan, and thank you for joining me here on this podcast called Raising Daughters. I'm a developmental and behavioral pediatrician who has counseled girls for about 30 years. I've also had the privilege of being able to sit with groups of girls on the carpet at my weekend retreats and my summer camps called Camp Wilokai for Girls, and also my Strong Girls, Strong World school program. And all that time I spent for the last 25 years on the floor in circles with girls has taught me a lot about what's going on for them, how girls are thinking and feeling, and I want to be able to pass that information on to you in this, in this podcast that's called Raising Daughters. I want to start out today asking you a very simple but loaded question, which is, when did you get motivated in school? When did you really start kicking it in gear? Was it grade school? Was it middle school? Was it high school? Was it college? Was it, was it a master's level program or beyond? When did you really kick it in gear as far as your education? And the reason I ask that question is multifold. First and foremost, I hear so many parents tell their kids these days, I don't care what kind of grades you get in school, as long as you're working your hardest every day and you're working to your potential and, the, and 24-7. And I, I worry that that's a very unrealistic expectation. And the reason I say this is, is because I've done some informal surveys all over this country and all over the world asking parents that question I asked at the beginning. When did you get motivated in school? I was recently in Ohio giving uh, a presentation to a room full of very successful entrepreneurs. And the survey I gave to them was this. I said, how many of you were really working your hardest, working to your potential in grade school? There were about 100 people in the audience. And out of those 100 people, I got about five hands raised. I said, okay, how many of you got into middle school and then really kicked it in gear? How many of you in middle school were working to your potential and really working your hardest each and every day? I got about another three or four hands. The next question, how many of you didn't get really motivated in school until high school? I got a total of about probably 10, 12 hands. Then I said, how many of you didn't really get into your education and really get motivated until after high school? And then three-fourths of the room raised their hand. Those are the same results I've gotten everywhere over the last 15 or 20 years of asking the question, other than one group, and that group is teachers. If I ask a room full of teachers at a workshop, how many of them got motivated in school? Probably three-fourths of them will raise their hands starting in grade school and middle school. But they're the only unique audience that says that. Uh, let me give you a couple of, of stories of what some of those uh, entrepreneurs told me about, told me in Ohio just recently. One of the dads said, that his grades were very average all the way through high school. And he actually spent so much time and energy figuring out just what he needed to do in order to get, and these are his words, a 2.83 GPA. He had figured out that if he got a 2.83 GPA, 
they didn't have to work very hard for that, and it kept the expectations low from his parents and his teachers. So they wouldn't be on him because if that, that was where his grades all the way through, well, I guess that's, what he, that's, that's the kind of student that he was. He didn't get motivated in school until his second year of college, and he said he got motivated then because nobody was looking over his shoulder. Thus, he was allowed to do his education for his own reasons, and that made all the difference in the world for that dad. Uh, I had one mom say that she also had average grades throughout grade school, middle school, and high school, and her motivation didn't come until college when she could start picking her own classes because they were her interests. She said learning was something that she liked to do, but only if it was things that she wanted to know and things that she wanted to learn. Once she got into her second and third years of college when she could do that, and she picked her major and she was doing things she loved to do, then she was motivated. A third dad in Ohio told me he didn't get motivated until he was in his MBA program in grad school. He said after he went through, through grade school, middle school, high school, even college, he kind of just you know, meandered his way through, didn't work very hard, got decent grades, not very good grades, never really worked to his potential. But he said once he was out in the business world, in a job after college, he became very aware of his learning and kind of skills gaps, if you will. He realized what he needed to learn. He realized what he didn't know. So when he went into his MBA program, he was more than willing to work his butt off because he knew he wanted to be successful and he knew what he needed to learn. What do these three entrepreneurs have in common? None of them were motivated in school. They all thought school was boring. It didn't seem very meaningful. Yeah, it, they didn't like to be made to do things. They wanted more autonomy, more independence in their learning. All of them had been pushed by their parents, and that made them all less motivated. It demotivated them, if you will. They also became very invested in showing people that they were in charge, that you can't make me, even to their detriment. I've seen so many girls in my counseling practice who are getting bad grades, and it's because they're in a power struggle with their parents and their teachers, and they're so... Um, bright and they're so independent and they're so powerful and they just can't let people push them or try and make them do things. One of my jobs as their counselor is to help them see that they're actually giving their power away to their parents in those moments. It may seem powerful because they can't make you study, they can't make you turn work in, they can't make you get grades, but in reality you are still doing something based upon not giving them what they want. It's still not about you. Um, the other thing that's common to the entrepreneurs I talked to in Ohio, that's also common to, 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 I think, everybody who's listening to this podcast is that all of us found our own motivation in our own way and in our own time. And if there's a hundred of you sitting in front of me right now, and I asked you, how'd you get motivated? When? Why? Who was it? What was the experience? I would probably get a hundred different stories. And that's important to remember. Since you are not sitting here in front of me today and you're listening in your car or in your home, let me tell you some stories of people that you probably know of and, and, and to give you some illustrations of when they got motivated and how. The first story is about Tom Brokaw, who I'm sure all of you know. Uh, he's, he's semi-retired now, but he was a very famous news anchor and was for many years. He uh, grew up in North Dakota, and he was a very good student, uh, very uh, as far as grades. He was great in sports. He was a class president. But everything came easy and didn't require much work from him. So he went into, into the University of Iowa his freshman year thinking he was going to be a breeze, and he did very poorly. He was partying, not spending much time studying, and it, it was harder. So after his first year in college, he transferred to the University of South Dakota, 
where he once again ignored his studies, was chasing girls, he was a party animal, he was barely passing with his grades. And then someone stepped into his life who became very important. And he was the chairman of the political science department at his school, a guy named Bill Farber. He invited Tom over to his house uh, for dinner uh, in the spring of his sophomore year. And he said, you know, Tom, I've been thinking about you a lot lately and what you're going to be doing with your life. And I think that you should drop out. So Tom Brokaw said his mouth dropped. He's like, what? He said, look, you need to get the wine, the women, and the song out of your system. And then you might be ready to come back when you're ready to do some good. But until then, I don't want to see you around here. That was devastating. That was a shock to Tom Brokaw because his whole life, everything had been easy. He was on a pedestal. At the same time, his girlfriend of several years dumped him. And when she dumped him, she told him, why would you think I would waste my time with somebody who's as unfocused as you are? Another shock to his system. So he got out of school and he got a couple of jobs and uh, some menial kind of jobs for about six months in some uh, radio stations, a TV station. He said, I had believed my whole life that I could do anything I wanted to do on my own terms, but I was learning how wrong I had been. After six months of working in those jobs, he went back to the professor and he begged him to take him back. And the professor finally said, I will take you back, but this time it's on my terms, not yours. Here's your schedule. Here's the grades I expect you to get. You will keep working your full-time jobs that you have right now and commute from the city, and then we'll see how you do. Well, Tom Brokaw finally was motivated. So he applied himself. He worked a full-time job. He took a full-time school schedule. And uh, within uh, three years, he had earned his degree, and he even married that old girlfriend who had previously dumped him. And Tom Brokaw says now, looking back, he said, it was that painful time in my life in which I was always adrift that motivated me for years to come. It taught me how instructive a little failure at an early age can be. That's how Tom Brokaw got his motivation for school. You all probably know Owen Wilson, the actor. Well, when he was uh, a sophomore in high school, he got kicked out because he was caught cheating. He was a D student. He was completely indifferent to his studies. It drove his parents. It drove all of his teachers crazy because he had so much potential, quote unquote. Um, And so he says back then he did have a strength. He said, from a very young age, I got good feedback about my writing always. After After he got kicked out of high school, he went to New Mexico Military Institute Uh, to finish high school, and there he said he learned to follow the rules. And more importantly, he started writing again. He revived a defunct school newspaper and became the editor. He got inspired to do more writing. When he graduated from, from the military academy, he went to the University of Texas, and he said, I was driven. And his quote was, I started caring about how things turn out. Owen Wilson, as you probably know, became a very successful actor and screenwriter. He was, he was even nominated for an Oscar uh, for Best Screenplay in 2002. That's Owen Wilson's story. Philip Johnson went to Harvard uh, in 1924. And in his freshman year, he had decided he wanted to study the highest intellectual pursuit that he thought was possible, which in his mind was philosophy. And there's a very eminent professor at Harvard at the time. And after several weeks, he took Philip Johnson aside and he told him, he said, look, I have two kinds of students, Philip, A students and B students. A students are the kind of people who understand and can synthesize very complex philosophical logic and debate. B students can't do any of that. And Philip, you are a B student. 
That, at first, made Philip Johnson very mad and embarrassed and ashamed. But then he remembered something. Back when he was about 13 years of age, his mom took him to Europe. And one day they went and they saw the Parthenon. And he said it, it, it changed his life. He remembered looking at that Parthenon. It brought tears to his eyes. It sent shivers down his spine. And back and fast forward to college, once that philosophy uh, professor told him, basically, you know, get out of my department, he remembered the experience at the Parthenon and he decided to pursue an area of expertise that would send shivers down his spine. And to him, that meant architecture. And so he shifted his major to architecture. He said that he realized his whole life, at the time of this interview, by the way, he was 94 years of age. He said the words that had inspired him his whole life were, I don't give a damn. And this is his quote. If, if you're going to be an artist, that's the only way you can be. You can't give a damn. You have to trust yourself and your instincts. Creativity is an intuitive process, and you have to trust that intuition. Architecture became my means to express myself. For Philip Johnson, the motivation came from, from a traveling experience at the age of 13. And once he found his passion, and once he found his way of expressing himself, that meant all the difference in the world to him as well. Last quick story. This is about Robert Johnson. Robert Johnson is the founder of the BET, the Black Entertainment Television Network. He was the ninth of ten kids. Poor family. Nobody had ever gone to college in his family. He had decent grades, but he knew he couldn't afford college. But in his senior year English class... One day, the teacher asked the whole class, how many of you are going to college? Well, this was interesting because everybody in the class was white except for Robert. He was the only black kid there. And he was the only kid who didn't have his hand raised. And so he got embarrassed. And so not wanting to be singled out, he raised his hand also. And then he just kind of dropped it and didn't think anything of it. But a month later, the teacher came back to the class and said, since all of you raised your hands last month, I assume that you've all been filling out applications. I'm sure you've all had an appointment with the college counselor. I'm, I'm sure that's all happened. And let me see a show of hands for anybody who has begun the process in those ways. All the white hands went up in the air again. And once again, Robert had not done any of those things. And he raised his hand again because he didn't want to be embarrassed. And for the first time in his life, he started to consider another option for himself. Another option that was different than anybody in his family had ever experienced. Later that senior year, he visited his, a friend of his, Preston Pearson, who was a year ahead of him, and he went to the University of Illinois, and Preston Pearson ended up becoming a very famous uh, football player in college and the NFL for the Dallas Cowboys. And walking around that campus with his friend inspired him as well. He went back, he went back to, to his uh, hometown, and he started putting his, his financing together all by himself. He got some grants, he got some loans. He ended up getting a job at the university, cleaning the microbiology lab. And Robert Johnson says, looking back, that going to college changed everything for me. I love learning. I love the socializing. But more importantly, it opened up my eyes to limitless opportunities available to somebody who was willing to look for them. He also said that looking back, coming up with a $224 to finance his college was his first multi-part deal. And his most recent deal was selling his BET Holdings, the Black Entertainment Television Network, to Viacom for $3 billion, billion with a B. And he says it all started out because a teacher asked one question and then wouldn't let it go. 
I love stories like these. I love hearing how people found their way. And I love how much diversity there is in people's experiences. Sometimes it's a person, sometimes it's an experience, sometimes it's a failure. Um, It's all kinds of different things. But my main message here today after these stories, and after hopefully you've looked inside yourself and answered the question, when did you get motivated in school, is to watch your pressure on your kids today. Watch the pressure on your daughters for straight A's. Girls today are getting so much pressure from all over the place about straight A's and being on the best teams, going to the best colleges. We expect our girls to work their hardest, to work to their potential. And if once you listen to stories from, from the adults around you, I think you'll realize that most of us did not work to our potential in school, in grade school, middle school, high school, and or beyond even. I want us to remember that. Now, some of your kids who might be very compliant by nature, they might be pleasers, it may work to pressure them about grades because they don't want to disappoint you and all those kinds of things. But if you've got a bright, spirited, independent-minded, entrepreneurial kind of kid uh, who isn't wired that way, then it's a, different, it's, a, it's a hard sell. It's a difficult sell. Those kids become aware that school is a game, and a lot of them are not willing to play the game by other people's rules. They find school kind of boring, There's not enough autonomy for them, not enough say-so. It doesn't seem very meaningful. And the truth is that some of your kids, no matter what you do, no matter what the school does, no matter what teachers say or do, some kids are just not going to give you 100% with their schoolwork because of all the reasons I mentioned. They just aren't. And the things that you probably want them to learn in grade school, middle school, and high school, some of the important values and principles, things like hard work, Things like stick to it, things like initiate, create, go after it, grit, perseverance, self-reliance. A lot of times those kids are going to develop those skills somewhere else besides their schoolwork. They might do it with sports, by being in, in the school band, <clears throat> excuse me, the school band or in a, their own band. They might do it by being in theater, with their artwork, uh, uh, drawing anime. One of my sons, TJ, uh, was a very good student in school. He got pretty much straight A's all the way through, but he didn't have to work very hard. He was one of those kids who just knew how to walk in the building and know what was going to be on the test. And he, he was a good test taker. So he was not learning, you know, hard work and perseverance and all those kinds of things with his schoolwork. But we saw it somewhere else. We saw it with his sports, with his hockey especially. But also, when he was a sophomore in high school, he decided he wanted to play guitar. I think he had noticed some of our camp counselors uh, who were playing guitar. It was kind of a chick magnet. So I think he thought that was kind of cool. And so all on his own, he got on the internet, pulled down tabs, pulled down YouTube videos, and he taught himself to play guitar with zero lessons. Taught himself. He worked at it a lot. And he's a very good guitar player today. All on his own. So when I saw him do that, when I saw the passion and I saw the creativity, I saw the dedication and the hard work and the focus on that, then I didn't worry so much that he wasn't putting a lot of effort into his schoolwork because I knew he had it. Sometimes when your kids aren't really into school, you need to value passion where you find it in some of those other areas. I also want you to consider trusting your kids will find their motivation for education in many different ways. Like I said before, it might be with like the, like the, like the guy who saw the Parthenon. It might be through a teacher who asks a question. Uh, Some of the stories I told you earlier were from a book called The Right Words at the Right Time by Marlo Thomas. 
There are lots and lots of stories in there about how people found their thing. And oftentimes it was a mentor who stepped up with the right words at the right time. And almost always that person is not your parents. That's not an indictment of parents. It doesn't mean that parents have no influence. It just means sometimes your kids need somebody besides mom and dad to inspire them or to kick them in the, in the butt. Something that will help them to find their motivation. Sometimes it's a failure. Sometimes it's traveling or, or sometimes it's all kinds of experiences that kids may absorb that causes them to kind of kick it in gear, if you will. Let me tell you one more quick story, then I'll, I'll finish up here. I, uh, I was talking to a man out in California about two years ago, and he was a young guy. He was probably in his late 20s. And he said when he was a kid in high school, he wasn't trying. He was getting C's and D's, despite the fact that he could have gotten A's. His parents were, you know, fit to be tied. His teachers were pulling their hair out. Nobody could get him motivated. His dad was a successful entrepreneur, and one day he took his 16-year-old son to a lecture at Stanford University. And the lecture was being put on by a, a young man who was 25 years of age who had gone to Stanford, and he told a story about how he uh, wasn't very motivated in school in high school, but when he went to Stanford, he started his own business, some kind of a computer-type uh, business. And by the time he was 21 years of age, he had earned his first million dollars. And he felt like the education and the inspiration he got at Stanford helped him along the way. This 16-year-old boy heard that. He walked out of that lecture inspired. And he told his dad, in two years, I'm coming to Stanford. I want to do what that guy did. I want to earn a million dollars by the time I'm 21. And for the last two years of high school, he kicked it in gear. He worked his hardest. He got good grades. And he did end up at Stanford. Remember your stories about when you got your motivation to do well in life, when you got your motivation to really start trying hard with your education. Listen to stories of people you know. It might be relatives. It might be people that you work with. Have your kids hear those stories. Read biographies like I do. Because I want you as parents of daughters today to remember to watch the pressure. Remember that, that you got your way and your motivation and your way and your time and trust that your, that your daughter will do the same. I'm not suggesting you stand back and tell your daughters after you hear this podcast, well, Dr. Jordan said to you know, blow it off and no big deal. What I am saying is remember. Remember, watch the pressure, uh, be reasonable, value passion where you find it. Help your kids find good mentors Tell your t kids good, t good stories about people that you know. Have your kids interview relatives, friends, any adults that they know about their stories so that they can find their motivation in their own way and in their own time. Thank you once again for listening into this podcast that's called Raising Daughters. I'm Dr. Tim Jordan. I'm a developmental and behavioral pediatrician who has counseled girls for 30 years. I've been running personal growth weekend retreats and summer camps for 26 years, and I work in schools with, with uh, circles of girls. If you have any questions, comments, uh, advice to me, suggestions about new podcasts, please send them my way. I appreciate you stopping by every week. I'll be back next week with another topic.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.